0: Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church and OCCatHome.com. We are so glad you're here. At OCC, our mission is to invite people to take their next steps with Jesus. And so we pray that through our time together, you're encouraged and challenged to move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Hey everyone, welcome to Orange Crest Community Church. I'm Pastor Josh De La Rosa. Thanks for joining us uh, here for worship and Today we're going to keep looking through this series at stories that Jesus told to the crowds of people who followed him. And we're going to look at Mark chapter 4 and we'll find in Mark 4 where Jesus started using parables stories to teach the crowds about uh, true spiritual growth. And now parables use ordinary life examples to drive home an important point and they had some intended purpose Uh, though the meaning of the parables weren't always obvious. Parable is not a word that we often use, but it, it is a story, a short story. And the stories themselves that you find in the Bible that Jesus told, these parables usually required, uh, further reflection for His followers, like people had to sit and think through, what does He actually mean by this? And oftentimes, uh, a little bit more explanation from Jesus. And so, I want to give you some examples of that today, as we're in this series of messages, mountain, valleys, and moments in between. And so, Let's look at Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 1. It reads this, Again, he began to teach by the sea, and a very large crowd gathered around him. So he got into a boat on the sea and sat down, uh, while the whole crowd was by the sea on the shore. So Jesus gets into a boat. Notice again what he's doing. He's moving uh, the group, the crowd of people, away from their homes. He's moving them away from their busy life in the valley. And so they head out of the village towards the seashore. And he does this to really capture their attention. And we've been uh, highlighting this aspect of Jesus's ministry with people. He would try to call people out of their busy setting in order to have a clear, uh, focused, undistracted time with them. So this, in this case, he uses a boat as his stage. In verse 2, it reads this. He taught them many things in parables, and in his teaching, he said to them, and he's going to launch into this story. Now, what is a parable? Again, let's just talk about this. Uh, parabole is a Greek word, it's a compound, two different Greek words shoved together. So the first is para, and it means alongside or beside. And then the word balo is a verb that just means to throw or to cast. And so you put those words together. Parabole, it means to cast alongside. And he's, it's essentially, it's him telling a story that is a spiritual truth cast alongside something in our everyday world. So it's a comparative example that Jesus is using. He's trying to get people to find themselves in the story and say, Oh, I've seen that before. I'm, I'm familiar with this story or this um, this everyday reality. Uh, but then he uses it to sort of bring deeper meaning into some spiritual uh, area of life. So Jesus, this was one of his main ways he would teach the crowds. Oftentimes, he used parables uh, usually these parables would leave uh, the crowd with some questions. So, Mark 3, let's launch in. It reads, Listen, consider the sower who went out to sow. Uh, he's talking about a farmer, a sower who's sowing seeds. And so, this is the idea of casting seeds. You see this image there with the farmer who's throwing his seed out into the field. Verse 4, As he sowed, some seed fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured it. So, with the farmer who's sowing seed, uh, some of the seeds don't make it into the good soil. They don't make it into the prepared soil. Some of them just make it on the path, so they they fall on the path. I've seen this a lot of times. Uh, Whether it's me trying to seed my garden, um, seed my uh, lawn, or even just fertilize and strengthen what whatever is there sometimes what i'm trying to cast out there to cause to grow it doesn't quite penetrate the area where i intended to hit the target and some of it just lands on the sidewalk some of it lands in the dirt beside the good ground and it may seem like no big deal but it's extremely frustrating if you're trying to plant something and you actually experience the birds coming and eating what you've just tried to plant uh, and i'm sure some of you have experienced that many times i'm sitting inside of my house Having recently uh, seeded my lawn or garden and I'm watching these birds in a flock coming and just enjoying their, their breakfast on my lawn. And I'm somehow fattening up all the birds in our town as I'm trying to, to cause ours to grow. Now, verse 5, other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. So, you have this picture where the farmer is throwing seed and it lands. Some of the seeds land in really, really rocky soil. And, you know, when you have rocks in the soil, uh, it prevents uh, the seed from taking good deep root. So, verse 6 reads, When the sun came up, it was scorched. So, whatever uh, sprung up, it says something grew up quickly, the, the plant that grew up quickly. When the sun came up, it was scorched. That plant was burned by the sun. And since it had no root, it withered away. And so it has this image. We have this image in our mind and Jesus' listeners watching from the seashore are obviously thinking about this experience. They've seen this happen before. They've seen uh, their efforts burn up on a hot day. And that's what happens oftentimes. Sun just burns up the seed that sprouts because... The roots are just not going deep enough to get to the, uh, the better soil or to get to the, the water, the nutrients that it needs. Uh, now we see this a lot here in our town in Riverside. Uh, this whole area is it's a pretty rocky area. So when you try to plant anything here, uh, you find a lot of rocky ground, a lot of decomposed granite. Uh, you have to sort of break that up and clear it out in order to uh, have better soil. A lot of people... They dig out the decomposed granite and they bring in better dirt, better soil. Otherwise, this is your experience planting flowers, trees, plants. You just have this same uh, reality of the parable in your backyard. Verse 7. Then he th- and he tells them This other seed fell among thorns. So the farmer cast some other seed that fell in the thorns and the thorns came up and choked it and it didn't produce fruit. So the thorny soil chokes out the grow, growth of, of the seed. Whatever sprung up, uh, it's overwhelmed by this, these thorns, which as you think about weeds and thorns, they spread rapidly. Uh, we have a, a really stubborn blackberry bush beside our house. And I remember when we first moved into our house uh, 12 years ago, 13 years ago even, our neighbor said, oh, we've got this great blackberry bush. And he said, it's it's great because it's it's thornless. <laughs> and and I don't know what happened. Somehow it mutated because for years and years now it's had thorns. And I can't kill the thing. It it will not die. I have tried and tried and tried. I go out there with shears. I go out there with a hoe. I go out there with a hula hoe. I go out there with a pickaxe. And we, we clear it out and we plant different things in that spot. My wife, for example, planted a hydrangea where the blackberry bush was. And before we know it, we turn around and the blackberry bush has grown again and has started uh, overtaking anything else that is there. And that bush just won't die. And it just keeps crawling out and basically uh, choking out the growth of anything that we would want there. Verse 8 reads, Still other seed fell on good ground, and it grew up. Okay, now this is what you want if you're the farmer. You want the seed to hit the good ground to actually grow up. And it says, producing fruit that increased 30, 60, and 100 times. That's good growth. So on the good soil, and again, these people are hearing this story. Jesus is just sharing a very much everyday example that they're familiar with. Uh, they They've probably had this experience before where they've seen the seed just grow and grow and grow and produce these giant, you know, uh, bountiful harvests. You know, they've got their wheat, and they've got, they've got what they're wanting. They're experiencing the harvest and the, the enjoyment of harvest time. This image is in their mind. And then it says this. Then he said, let anyone who has ear, ears to hear listen. Now this verse calls for the hearers to evaluate their own response. He's saying, hey, listen up. What, what do you think the point of this parable is? Anyone who has ears to hear, let him listen. Let them hear and listen. What do you mean by this parable, Jesus? I mean, if you're th- sitting there listening, you're probably beginning to wonder. He's just described uh, a pretty normal reality. We're all farmers. We've seen this happen. What's the point? And, and that's the end of the story. He leaves them with uh, probably some questions like, what are we supposed to do with that? Now, most in the crowd... They knew this. They knew this reality. They were farmers. They lived off their land. Uh, they knew these farming principles. But Jesus was aiming at something much, much deeper than just farming and fruit. So let's keep reading. Verse 10. When he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. Now these are his disciples. So on the boat, he's speaking to the crowd. Every, you know, In the crowd was his followers. His disciples were there. Uh, even his apostles, those that he selected, they were there. But the, but in the crowd, there's all sorts of people that are just sort of curious, onlookers, listeners. At this point in verse 10, he's now alone with just his disciples. Those who really followed him a little further, who, who followed him more closely. And look at what it reads. They asked him about the parables. In verse 11, he answered them, With this, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those outside, everything comes in parables. (laughs) So, this is part of his teaching uh, pattern. Uh, He would teach the crowds on the outside in parables. And and he he writes this, or he tells them this, so that they may indeed look and yet not perceive. They may indeed listen and yet not understand. Otherwise, they might turn back and be forgiven. We're going to come back to that in a little bit. But as Jesus taught with parables, there was this uh, struggle to fully understand. There was this struggle for some to really retain and understand and connect the dots of what he was trying to say. But the disciples, uh, they actually got more than the crowd. These were the ones who would journey with Jesus, oftentimes uh, to higher ground. They would get more explanation. sort of like this. Uh, You could buy one of these two versions of The Lord of the Rings. You could buy the theatrical version of The Lord of the Rings, or you could buy the extended version of The Lord of the Rings. Uh, That's a tough decision. The extended version is, is, is much more expensive, and generally there's a much greater time commitment to watch the extended version. But on the extended version, here's what you get. You get like the director's cut. You get Peter Jackson... With all of his behind-the-scenes thinking and details and explanations, well, the disciples they got sort of that extended version. They got to know the meaning behind the parable. They got to uh, understand the director's comments. They they got to really uh, drill down deeper as Jesus explained to them and disclosed more of himself, his strategy, his thinking to the disciples. They're getting the deep spiritual realities. So take a look at Jesus' explanation for those disciples who took the extra time with him. Verse 13 reads, Then he said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand all of the parables? And he goes into his explanation. The sower sows the word. Some are like the word sown on the path. So this is a parable about people. This is a parable about how people respond to, to God's word and the message of the good news of Jesus. So people are the soil, different types of soil that Jesus is describing. And the seed is the word of God. It's the message of the good news of Jesus. And so he begins to explain the seed first, the seed that's sown onto the path. It doesn't make it into the good soil. Some of it just lands on the path, on the sidewalk. It says this, When they hear immediately, Satan comes and takes away the word sown in them. So there are some who hear God's word. They hear it taught. Maybe this is where you're at. You come to church or you've been to church maybe many times, but the message, the good news of Jesus, God's word, it doesn't break through. It sort of stays on the surface of your mind uh, for a brief time. And very quickly, what you hear gets snatched away. And there's just not a breakthrough into your heart, and really a wrestling in your heart and your mind, and so that is the first uh, point Jesus is making about the the seed that was sown on the path. Now, if you knew, if you know Christ personally, this was actually where you were before responding to Jesus personally. Your heart was hard; uh, it wasn't soft soil, wasn't good soil. Your heart was hard; nothing could really penetrate it, and maybe. Actually, this might even be where you're at right now. You might be watching this and you might think, you know, one moment I, I kind of hear God's word or I think I might be hearing God's voice or I'm, I might make a brief, uh, I might take in something briefly from God's word uh, at church, but then the next moment it's totally snatched away and it's gone. And I, I don't even remember what he said. I don't remember what I, I thought I heard. I, I, I can hardly remember the details of the story. It's almost like the message wasn't even delivered. And what, what Jesus is saying is the enemy, Satan, he works to snatch the seed from people's mind so that nothing will break through. They won't, they won't have any spiritual breakthrough. It's almost like there's a spiritual blindness that exists for some people because the enemy prevents people from hearing, understanding, and responding to God's word. So that's his explanation of the first uh, example in the, in the story of Of this farmer sowing a seed. Now, then he explains the next part of the parable in verse 16. It reads, "And others are like seed, so others, meaning other people. This is a different grouping of people. And others are like seed sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. There's, there's this for some people a very strong emotional response. It's like the seed that just sprouts up really quickly." Sometimes people come to church and they, they are so excited to be here. They're so excited to be watching, to be listening, to be sort of receiving God's word. It's so refreshing and it's, it's life-giving and there's this almost immediate response and joy. They receive it with joy. But, verse 17, but they have no root. It's because of the rocks, Jesus says. The rocks, the roots are, are too shallow. So that, that soil that is full of rocks, whether it's, you know, you know boulder-sized, bowling ball-sized rocks, or, or just good chunks of rock, or decomposed granite, whatever it is, if it's rocky ground, the seed cannot penetrate through. Uh, the roots become way too shallow, way too flimsy. And it says, Jesus says, they are short-lived. They have no root, they're short-lived. And it says, when distress or persecution comes... Because of the word, they immediately fall away. So uh, the pressure of life causes uh, the seed and whatever sprouts up to, to basically not make it. It's, it's In a sense, it's here today, gone tomorrow. Now, the, I think what, one of the things we can one, understand from this is uh, for a lot of people, and maybe again, you might think, man, this might even be where I'm at. A lot of people would say, the big rocks are already sort of set in place in my life. There's just no room for yielding my life to Jesus Christ and his lordship. There's no room for his word in my life because I've got these big giant rocks. So for some, it's sort of like in a person's life, the big rocks are already set in place. If, if a person is like the soil... Some people just have so much in their life already, there's no room for anything else. There's there's these big rocks, these big commitments of time, these big focuses. There's just no room for yielding to Jesus Christ and his lordship. And for some, I, I've seen it to where Jesus always just remains this little tiny portion uh, of a person's life and thinking. Just a little slice of their life is, is sort of given to God, but Everything else is already spoken for, spoken for, and Jesus just doesn't become the core sort of dominating priority of a person. Maybe today, maybe you see yourself in that example. And here's a question for you. Is there anything at all preventing God's word or a relationship with Christ from really taking root? Can you think of anything? Maybe when you look at your schedule, as you see that question, maybe you look at your schedule and you think, yeah, there's just, there's just no room. Uh, with what I've already said yes to, uh, i place placed some pretty significant rocks in my time schedule and the spiritual roots and formation just can't happen. The roots aren't getting any deeper. They can't break through the rocks of my time schedule. Or it could be that those big giant rocks symbolize other philosophies. Maybe it's that these other philosophies from the world are just not compatible with the message of Jesus and with what I learned from from the Bible. And so you might say that maybe your mind is already committed to some other philosophies. And so there's really no space available uh, in your heart and mind for Jesus or the word of God to really take root. Now, some people commit to Christ when they're children and teens. Maybe that was when you first chose to become a Christ follower. I know some of you, you did. Those are exciting years when you're a kid. But here's what you need to be aware of Over the years, those roots need to get deeper and deeper and deeper before the big rocks of of adulthood get wedged in and crowd out a life. And maybe that's your story. Maybe that's where you're at. Uh, I've dug around in the dirt of my backyard uh, in order to prepare to plant, and I've been so surprised what I found in the dirt. Sometimes I find those big rocks, and I'm glad I dug to pull that out of there. Sometimes I found toys from my children. Some of the times I found trash. And I'm like, how did this get in here? The question is probably worth wrestling with. What is preventing me from really experiencing true spiritual growth? It's important to wrestle through this alone. And then with some people in your in your small group, maybe. Maybe with a trusted friend. Now let's look at the next part of Jesus' parable. Verse 18 reads, Others, now again, different group of people, are like seed sown among thorns these are the ones who hear the word but the worries of this age the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful now jot this down beware of the three w's worries wealth and want these areas will choke out growth. This for me describes what I think I've seen most, prevent people from living a fruitful life. The three W's, worries, wealth, and want. Sometimes for me personally, worry has just eaten me up. I can get really anxious about some area that is out of my control and it starts eating up my time, my focus, my energy, my productivity, my hours, my money. It can just choke me out. It can choke out the growth. There's no time to be growing. When I'm captured by worry, that's the same for you. If worry overtakes you in some way, that's like the thorns that are wanting to overtake your life and your spiritual growth. Now, through the years, what I've aimed to do is I've aimed to battle more and more with Scripture. I've seen far more victory as I've learned to memorize God's Word on that specific topic about what I'm worried about or just the topic of worry. Uh, But I have to keep battling off this area of worry and I've seen this plague members of my family as I think about What I see, you know, my family line dealing with. Um, I remember seeing this in, in family members aunts, uncles, grandparents And as I look up line, I think wow this has been something we've we've seen like we've dealt with It's just been a common area that that can plague our family. Well, but that's the area of worry It's it's one of those W's now The second W is wealth. It says specifically the deceitfulness of wealth. Jesus said, look, you can't serve God and and at the same time try to serve money. You have to put money in the right place. If you don't do that, if you don't put it in the right place in your heart, it will rule your life. It will become your master, Jesus says. If you're not intentional with how you steward money, how you spend money, save money, and even see money... How you understand what is money for. The deceitfulness piece here is this. We think that money is going to give us security. We think it's going to give us peace and stabilize our life. We think it will solve all of our problems. We think it will sort of provide a shelter over our head. But all of that is a lie. It's it's deceitful. It, It won't deliver like God. You know, God, he is our security. He's our shelter. He's fully reliable. Money and wealth, they have to be put in check or they'll choke out your growth. Now, that's a real powerful point of Jesus' parable here. And again, he gives this insight to his disciples. For those crowds who were on the seashore, they didn't get this insight. They didn't journey more closely with Jesus. And that's, again, one of the benefits of walking with Jesus. Now, here's the third W in that parable. The third W is want. He specifically says, the desire for other things. So you've got worries, you've got wealth, and you've got want. Want is, it's it's the things that you don't have, but others do. Or you see them advertised, or your eyes just keep roaming and scanning for all these other things. And a handful of words can be used here to describe this. Desire, covet, lust. It, it's why most of us know uh, Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones. Usually on every top ten rock songs list is the song I can't get no satisfaction. And like they say, we try and we try and we try but once desire takes hold, once once want starts spreading in our life like a thorn, like a weed, it can dominate all of our attention. And don't think that these 3 W's can't touch you because oh, you're in church or or because you've become a Christ follower. No. These are thorns these thorns you have to battle with you have to battle you have to pull the roots out and then you have to go and check and make sure they're gone and every once in a while you want to make sure that they're gone you got to keep pulling them out you got to dig them out you got to you got to pay attention to see if there's anything spreading underground have I cleared everything out and then you want to just scan and monitor these areas i think in the typical american church this is probably what keeps people from really growing? It's one of these three Ws, as I've observed as a pastor of our church, and even prior to in in, in ministry uh, settings, staff positions before. This has been the area I think that I've just watched, uh, you know, take people uh, and and minimize the fruit in their life. And you want to be really honest with yourself. You want to you want to wrestle through, and then you want to walk and do life with good people, people who know. What's really in your soil? Like, what are the thorns? Name them. Or what are those big rocks that crowd out your life? Or what role does the enemy play in preventing you from making any real traction? This is not about finding a place where there's better soil. No, this is a parable about people. And we take these areas with us everywhere we go. And so Jesus is saying this because he wants us to deal, understand these things and deal with them otherwise. This may choke out the growth that we could have experienced. Now, finally, Jesus explains the last type of person. And then verse 20, And those like seed sown on good ground. This is what he wants to see produced. They hear the word, they welcome it, and produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. With the good soil, this person has an eagerness, they have an openness, there's this ripe growing conditions, there's even a prayerfulness this type of growth is exponential. Can you imagine if you and I, if we were to deal with these other issues of soil, these issues that, that we can identify in our lives that Jesus is highlighting in this parable, and if we can become this type of person, can you imagine experiencing this type of spiritual growth? This is available to us. Now, his goal through sharing this parable was to prompt his disciples to ask the question, which one am I? What am I really dealing with? Am I experiencing strong and steady growth? Am I seeing that 30, 60, and 100 times growth in my life? Or is my growth really minimal? Am I just sort of repeating the same year of my life over and over? I mean, if, if you're honest and you look in the mirror and you think, you know, I've not really changed much year after year after year, and I, and I'm, then, then identify these issues of the three W's. Identify, uh, the, the issue of, the big rocks of the commitment, the focus, the dominating focus of our life, identify maybe even the role that the, that the enemy is playing. Now, when we walk away from church, small group, or, or even our own personal time with God, am I eager to obey? Am I, am I experiencing this fruitful life? Or instead, has this become more about just sort of checking a box, completing a duty? Am I remaining unchanged? And, and how do I get... From where I'm at, honestly, and, and over here to that fruitful life that Jesus is describing. How do I get from here to there? You know, Jesus, he invites us to join with him every day. He wants us to journey with him. He wants to, 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 to pull back from the busyness and to give him our undivided attention. Let's keep reading a little further. And what I want to do is read some more of these parables because there's some connections to our spiritual growth. And you'll see some other themes. So let's look at uh, Mark 4, looking at verse 21 through 25. Here's not a parable, but this is an analogy. Jesus said, he also said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed? Isn't it to be put on a lampstand? Now, oil lamps in those days is what Jesus would have been been referring to, like a, a clay oil lamp. Here's a picture of a, like a terracotta oil lamp, and you pour the oil in it, you put a wick in there, and you light it, and it can add some light to your house. It's not, it's not going to provide the type of light that you have with your LED lights these days, but it would provide some light. This is what Jesus had to be in had in his mind. But if you put that oil lamp down low under your bed, it's not going to help much light up your house or your room. If you put it under a basket, again, it's not going to extend and uh, shine much of a beam anywhere. And so you would put it up higher, Jesus is saying. Hence, this is why lamps are, and, and lights are up on the ceilings or high up on the walls because it's in order to maximize their purpose. And so in those days, lampstands were set on, you know, sometimes protruding out of a wall in order to put the oil lamp up high so that their glow would, would really radiate throughout the room in an unobstructed way. Verse 22, for there is nothing hidden that will not be revealed and nothing concealed that will not be brought to light. Those who have received the light of the gospel are not to conceal it. Rather, we're to let it shine for others to see. We, we looked at this last week. Jesus is not saying the exact same things, but he's saying, how can we do more to get God's word out and this message out into the open for more people to hear and experience life changed. Verse 23, if anyone has ears to hear, let him listen. This is a phrase he keeps repeating. Verse 24 reads, and he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. By the measure you use, it will be measured to you and more will be added to you. For whoever has, more will be given to him. And whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. So Jesus is now saying, do something with what you've been given. Do something with the light you have. If you've received the light, Put it up high. Do something with that light. You'll be measured, he he, he tells them, he, you'll be measured and tested by the light you've been given. God shines light into your life. You begin to make connections. He wants you to do something with that. The more you take in and begin to understand, well, Jesus says, the more accountable you are to respond and to do something with it. And the more you've been handed and take seriously, the more God pours into your life, the more you... Obey him and do something with it. The more he he teaches you, the more lights he turns on, and really, the more growth you experience. And so, this is a this is a call that once you start clearing. I, I think this is a connection to the parable of the sower. He, he's definitely sharing a connected idea. Once you start experiencing growth in you, your your life, you start clearing the thorns, the rocks, praying against the uh, the way that the enemy works, and and just asking God to to grow you like that good soil, uh, then he wants you to start doing more and more with that. And the more you do, uh, the more fruitful you can become because God pours more insights into your life. Now, the flip side is also true. For those who do little or nothing with what they've been given, the further and further we can stumble into confusion and darkness. That's what he's saying when when he tells them, whoever doesn't have even what he has will be taken away from him. So we want to do something with the light we've been given. Use the light that you've been given. Now he continues on with another parable. Look at verse 26. The kingdom of God is like this, he said. A man scatters seed on the ground. This sounds familiar, but it goes a little different direction. He sleeps and rises night and day. The seed sprouts and grows, although he doesn't know how. The soil produces a crop by itself. First the blade, then the head, then the full grain on the head. As soon as the crop is ready, he sends for the sickle because the harvest has come. Now, what is he saying there? is another really interesting farming parable. Essentially, there is power in the seed of God's word when it's planted. So, he's saying, look, be faithful to get God's word into your life regularly. There's power in God's word. Be faithful to get more of it into your heart, your mind, to wrestle through it, to understand it. Be ready to receive it. Pray and ask God, God... Please grow your word in my heart. Help me to make connections. Uh, Don't doubt the power of God and his word. What he's saying is the farmer plants his seed, but he doesn't have the power over how it all grows. There is a part where we, as we looked at in the parable of the sower, we do our part to clear out rocks and thorns, but there's tremendous power just in God's word. So get it into your life. And what I would say is arrive to worship or your personal time with God eager. Be, be prayerful. Be open to hear from God because there's power in the word. Be expectant in your spiritual life. Expect that God is going to speak to you and anticipate that more growth is coming because there's power in his words and what they can do in your life. Now, with that in mind, he, here's another parable, verse 30. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable can we use to describe it? Now, this is slightly different. It's not a parable about a person, but about the kingdom of God. He says, It's like a mustard seed that when sown upon the soil is the smallest of all the seeds on the ground. And essentially this is the kingdom begins to expand, but it starts really small. Verse 32, When when sown, it comes up and grows taller than all the garden plants and produces large branches, so that the birds of the sky can nest in its shade. Now, this parable about the mustard seed, you got to sit and think about it, but it reminds us of a few things. One is, it reminds us of what God can do even through small beginnings. The mustard seed, as you can imagine, is tiny, but it can grow into a huge bush. This was a small, small seed. You can see it here in this picture. It's a tiny seed. It's not the smallest of all seeds, but it is a small seed with with which they were familiar. So Jesus used uh, a seed that they knew from their area. Fully grown, though, these plants become bushes. They become bushes up to 15 feet tall with huge branches stretching out wide. Now, this message that began in a small, obscure village in the Middle East has stretched across the globe and just keeps growing and expanding. And what we're seeing is we're a part, Jesus is saying, of something powerful, something that can grow. And that really energizes me. That's motivating for churches to get started, for people to become Christians and share their faith. That's motivating to see, wow, well, small things can make a huge difference. So as we wrap up, here's some final application points. Take the extra time this week to understand his words fully. Uh, that was what we saw. Jesus, he would gather this, this group of disciples around him. They would be able to ask him about the parables and they got more understanding than the crowds. Second thing, pray and ask God to speak to you specifically. You see, Jesus told his disciples, the secrets of the kingdom are given to you. But to people on the outside, they're not able to see. They're not able to understand. They're not able to, to uh, perceive uh, what you understand as, as my disciples. And so pray and say, God, speak to me. You know my life. You know what's going on. Would you turn on the lights inside of me? Third thing this week, commit to steps of application. Uh, you know, that was that, that part of the passage where he, he says, pay attention to what you hear because by the measure you use, it will be measured to you and more will be added. Saying yes to God, you know, committing to to, to apply his word, saying yes unlocks future understanding and more guidance. The fourth thing here is this, to consider who God wants you to share this insight with. Uh, at the very end, Mark 31, Mark four thirty-one, 31, when he talks about the parable of the mustard seed, essentially our growth in our life, it can just extend further and further. We're a part of something that is ever expanding. And so uh, for the people that heard these parables and, and, and really grasped their meaning, they had exponential growth and impact. And let's be among them. Let's be among those who sort of uncover what is here, uncover these same secrets of true spiritual growth and keep pulling back from the busyness of our lives to hear from God personally. You have to make an effort to do this. You have to decide uh, to withdraw to get some time with him. And that's not easy. We're all living different lives, different circumstances, but I want to encourage you to, to, to spend some time with the Lord for yourself. Now, here's how this section wraps up. Verse 33, Mark 4, 33, he was speaking the word to them with many parables like these as they were able to understand. He did not speak to them without a parable. I think he's referring to the crowd. He didn't speak to the crowd without a parable. Privately, however, he explained everything to his own disciples. If you wanted to make life-changing connections, you needed to be with Jesus. You needed to go with him. You needed more time than others were getting with Jesus. It wasn't enough to be in the crowd. And maybe for you, it's time to become one of his disciples, to actually choose for yourself, maybe for the very first time, To follow him. On your connection card. uh, You can let us know. You'd like to learn how to become a follower of Jesus Christ. And we'll follow up with you. We love to come alongside you. In your growth. Uh, There's a couple of next steps I want to suggest. The first one is this. Is to identify. If any of the three W's. Are choking out your spiritual growth. Which of those do you identify with? Is there anything that maybe is. Is spreading in your life. And that is. um, Preventing. uh, That. That that fruitful life, worry, wealth, want. Second thing here as a next step is plan a time this week to read, to reflect, and to respond to these parables. I've, I've selected a few parables for you to check out, and I would just encourage you to read them a few times. Remember, you've got to sit with Jesus. You've got to get more explanation. You, you, you've got to have that extended time with him. Like that extended version DVD, it's not going to just be right on the surface. So what I would encourage you is read these a few times and sit and pray. Read it again and say, God, speak to me. What are you saying? What is this parable about? Read this section. Try to understand where does it fit in the Bible and see how God speaks to you. Third thing is this. Evaluate how I'm listening to God. Overall, these parables, they keep touching on this idea of uh, how are you listening? How are you? What are you hearing him say? Jesus actually keeps repeating the phrase, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. And so I think this is instructive for us to constantly be evaluating um, how we listen to God. Thanks for joining us. Let's pray as we wrap up. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you for uh, the tool of a parable. It sort of forces us uh, to slow down and to think, to engage our mind, uh, to engage with you in prayer, to listen Uh, to be open to uh, what you're saying through your spirit to us for our real lives. I pray for each person that's watching. Uh, I know that there's some meanings, some some intended meanings in the Bible that uh, you want to bring to life to us, Lord. So I pray that we would carve out the time. um, and I pray that you'd protect the time, Lord. I pray against the enemy's attempts to snatch away your word from uh, taking root. I pray... Uh, that you would help us to identify any of these big rocks that are blocking uh, your word from uh, getting deeper and deeper, or any of these three W's, worry, wealth, and want, Lord. If there's anything like that choking out the growth, Lord, please, we ask you to show us these things so we could be fruitful uh, for you. And we thank you for our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at OCCathome.com to learn more about how to connect with us. And join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast. Have a great day.